Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Hello, Missio Day. So good to see you uh, for the first time, be with you for the year of 2021. Uh, just want to give you a, a quick uh, announcement that next week we'll be beginning a series on the book of Nehemiah. So uh, stay tuned, get ready. Uh, you might want to start reading the book. We're going to have a resource guide online available for you to, to journey in the book, read through the book as we go through the six-week series on returning, uh, returning to God. But this week, uh, we want to do just another message to begin the year to get us focused for 2021. Uh, and some people do resolutions. Some people don't. I haven't done any yet this year. Probably, maybe I will in a little bit. Mine usually start a little later. I like to, to meditate a little bit longer and not force anything on the first of the year. Uh, but I've been thinking about these ideas of resolutions. And when we when we pick them, I've been thinking about this philosopher I like named Rene Girard. And Rene Girard says that Basically, the human experience is always borrowing desires. And so when we're setting these, if you've thought about this, that these resolutions, we're really just borrowing desires or borrowing resolutions. Everyone's kind of doing the same thing, right? Whether it's dieting or exercising or, or reading or, uh, you know, we're all doing these same things. And, uh, you know, this is, Rene Girard says, this is human nature, that a baby smiles because they see their parents smiling at them. And I've been thinking about this. And what if we have, if it's the human experience to have to borrow desires from someone else, what would it mean this year to be borrowing God's desires? What would it look like to say, God, what do you want? And then let me borrow your desires and have your desires and mimic those desires. And so today I want to talk to you about a listening life. A listening life. Listening is a topic that I'm drawn to but repelled by because, to be honest, I don't think of myself as a great listener. Uh, I, it's not something that I, I it's something I have to work very, very hard at. And so I, I am continually drawn towards this, especially in a time now where attention spans are getting harder and harder. I want to start off uh, this talk topic of listening, a listening life and listening to God with a, with a poem from Mary Oliver, who's just full of wonder. She's written so much great uh, poetry. And so if you've never read poetry, Mary Oliver is a great place to start. The first one is, I happen to be standing. She says, I don't know where prayers go or what they do. Do cats pray while they sleep, half asleep in the sun? Does the possum pray as it crosses the street, the sunflowers, the old black oak growing older every year? I know I can walk through the world along the shore or under the trees with mind filled with things or of little importance in full self-attendance, a condition I can't really call being alive. Is prayer a gift or a petition or does it matter? The sunflowers blaze. Maybe that's their way. Maybe the cats are sound asleep. Maybe not. While I was thinking this, I happened to be standing just outside my door with my notebook open, which is the way I begin every morning. Then a wren in the privet began to sing. He was positively drenched in enthusiasm. I don't know why, and yet why not? I wouldn't persuade you from whatever you believe or whatever you don't. That's your business. But I thought of the wrens singing, what could this be if it isn't prayer? So I just listened, my pen in the air. And the second one's called praying. She says, it doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot 
or a few small stones, just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into things and a silence in which another voice may speak. And Mary Oliver, the reason we can enjoy the fruit of these beautiful poems is because Mary Oliver has become, had become, she passed away a few years ago, an expert in paying attention. And she said that attention is the beginning of devotion. And so if we're going to uh, live in an age of distraction and our attention spans in our time are horrible, horrible. Like I have a confession to make. Like I tried to read a book from beginning to end uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, why can't I read I can't read, like I can't finish a book. Like our brains are being formed and shaped with lower attention spans. And so we must learn the craft of attention to God's voice. And uh, all throughout the scriptures, there's kind of a, been a historical debate in, among Christians, which one's better? Is it hearing or is it doing? And amazing thing about the scriptures is that those two concepts are actually inseparable. They're meant to always be one and the same thing. James says in James 1, do not be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word uh, and, and not just a listener. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he ends the Sermon on the Mount after he preaches the sermon. And he says that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like someone who built their house on the rock on a foundation and when the storm came and the wind came and the rain came the, the house stood firm on the foundation but anyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice they are like one who builds their house on the sand and when the storm comes there will be a great crash and it will be swept away and in in the old testament the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, was, is the historical bedrock framework of the entire Jewish faith. And it says here, Shema, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your spirit, with all your soul and strength. And then these commandments I give to you are to be on your heart. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home. And tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and, and on your gates. Like you should hear the words of the Lord, right? And then later on in Exodus 24, Exodus 24, there was a time where God's people rebelled and made the golden calf. Remember that? And they, that Moses was gone speaking to God, listening to God, hearing from God. And he comes back and they've rebelled against God, worshiping this golden idol. And he comes down and says, let me tell you everything the Lord has said to me. And they say, Every word that the Lord has said, we will shema, we will do. And so this concept of hearing and doing is inseparable, that, that you can't hear from God and not obey. It, sound requires a response. Hearing and obeying are inseparable. We can't hear something and not respond to it or hear it. And if we don't respond to it, then it's not hearing. It's not hearing. Sound forces us to take notice. We hear a siren in the background. One actually just went on in the background as I was filming. We hear a jackhammer and it alarms us. We hear our name shouted really loud. We turn around. I remember in uh, ninth grade, I was 
on the varsity team. And ninth grade, you, you don't get to start often on the varsity team. And I was warming up the pitcher. I was a catcher. And there was another game going on on a separate ball field. And while I was warming up my friend who pitched 80 miles per hour, uh, there was a guy, a big play on the other field. And so everyone's screaming and shouting. I begin to look and see what's going on. And he says, Brian. And right when he says, Brian, I turn around and pow, pop right in the center of my eye fastball hits me right in the eye had to get 10 stitches here and three here i fall to the ground one of my friends comes over and leans over and goes i heard that sound requires a response we must respond to sound and the reason i say all of this is because of this when god speaks it requires a response it requires a response. If we hear God speak and we do nothing about it, it's not hearing. How do we hear God's voice, right? I want to talk to you a little bit about Jesus's life and listening. Listening was all about uh, a wall part of Jesus' life. The very first parable Jesus preached was a parable in Mark 4 where he says that there was a, a, a parable of the sower sowing out the word. And he said that that seed, that word, fell some on uh, uh, rocky ears, right? Like those rocky ears listeners, they heard a little, but it didn't take root. Then there was thorny listeners. These thorny listeners, they're the ones who slowly allow the power of distraction and the accumulation of wealth to suffocate the word. And then there's those who listen and and, and the word takes root and bears fruit 30, 60, 90 fold, right? So the question for 2021 is not who, it's not what, are we listening? We're all listening, but which voices are we listening to? Such a crucial matter. Just 30 minutes ago before I'm filming this, riots in the middle of the Capitol, 30,000 people responding to the Senate vote with anger and rage and violence, right? Like, what voice we listen to matters greatly, greatly in our time. So detrimental when we don't listen to the voice of God. We must be hearing from him and him alone, right? And so we have distractions in our world. We have media sources in our world. We have social media algorithms that determine the voices we will listen to. But I want to encourage us to set 2021 apart, to be one who is, is, is obsessed with listening, obsessed with paying attention. And I, I, I want this for my own life, right? You know, there's no other society that celebrates the word binging like we do. Right? Like binging is a weird word to celebrate. No one would say like, what'd you do this weekend? I binged eat. Oh, wow. Amazing. No one would do that. But if we were to say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? I binge watched uh, a whole season on Netflix. Whoa, you binge watched? Oh my gosh. What was it? What did you see? Right? We get excited. We engage. Right? Um, we love uh, the, this, this, this idea of watching, you know, for 12 hours a week. And you're thinking, right, what if we spent 12 hours a week committed to listening? committed to just paying attention to our world, paying attention to what God may want to say to us and what would God do to our lives? So we have to address this or when we are talking about prayer, we have to address this. I want to say this because when we talk about prayer, it can easily sound like a beatdown, right? Like that whole idea. Oh gosh. Like, yeah, make me feel horrible, Brian, that I'm not praying 12 hours a week. That's not at all what I'm saying. The last thing God wants you to do the very last thing that God wants you to do is to, is to think that he, you should pray more. God doesn't want you to feel like you should pray more. 
Like we should, God wants you to be in a place where you just want to pray more, where you want to listen to him. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me, right? The last thing I want is for you to leave this message and think, man, I should pray more, right? Oh gosh, walk out depressed, I've got to pray more. But consider Moses, right? Like Moses knew that God was listening to him. He could say, God, you've, you've made these promises. Keep your promises, right? God is an extravagant listener to us. We must know that, that, that he's deeply moved by the appeals of God's people, that not only do, do we listen to him, but he, he extravagantly listens to us. Jesus did this and modeled this, right? Remember the Samaritan woman. I love Brenda Salter McNeil calls her Sam. And Jesus listens to the levels below the words of her heart. He can hear the shame and the rejection that causes her to get water in the middle of the noonday heat. He listens and minds unexplored places. And for a long time, that setting, I used to think was just incidental, Jacob's well. But what if the well is actually an unknown depth of another character in this story? What if Sam, as Brenda likes to call her, Jesus listens to the secret places, to the deepest wells of her heart, the words beneath her words where she says, you know, I have no husband. Jesus is like, you actually have had five. He knows the depth of the wells within her and listens to her. Jairus' daughter is dead and this woman comes and interrupts Jesus' journey to heal Jairus' daughter in Mark 5. And in Mark 5 she touches Jesus' hem and, and Jesus stops and said, who's touched me? My power's left me. And it says he listened to her whole story. I love that. And then Luke 18 we have Zacchaeus who's looking, trying to find Jesus and Jesus says, come Zacchaeus, you're coming to my I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to dine with you. I'm going to listen to you even you who have done so many wrongs in our society and so many injustices. And so I think about this reality that Jesus is so committed to this life of listening. He would often retreat, right, for 40 days to begin his ministry, listening, right? He would often leave crowds wanting healing, listening, right? When the disciples started to really get that Jesus was doing something, they said they wanted Jesus to teach them something. What did they want him to teach? Did they say, teach us to heal, Jesus, and they say, no, teach us, to, teach us to do ministry. Teach us to cast out demons. Teach us to teach. No, they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, let me teach you to pray. And Jesus says, they are our Father. And that prayer was a scandalous prayer of intimacy. So intimate, it made the priest uncomfortable. And Jesus was doing something that's lost to us. It was not entirely an original prayer to Jesus. <gasps> Some people are like, oh my gosh, Jesus stole a prayer. And yes, he, he adapted the Jewish Kadash that said in the beginning, magnify and ho ho hallowed, magnify and hallowed be thy great name, right? And Jesus twists that and changes it and says, when you come to pray, Pray, Abba, Daddy. Come pray, Abba, Father. Like intimate love with this God who knows you, wants to give his extravagant attention to you. Like that's, that's the picture. That's the picture of, of what Jesus says about our God. And Jesus is adapting this, this prayer and saying, pray to God more intimately than you could ever think you would be allowed to pray. Because that's, the kind of love he gives us. So what do you do though? What do you do when the wells of wonder and delight like Mary Oliver's wonder and delight are, are often dry? 
I think we have to ask ourselves, are we living an obligated life or a fascinated life? A fascinated life. A fascinated life makes for the best songs, the best art, the best life, right? The best work, the best craft. That, that we, would, we would pay attention and be fascinated with, filled with wonder as we live our life, not obligated. I mean, who wants to live an obligated life? I don't, I don't want to. I want to be astonished. I want to pay attention. I want to, 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 to take hold of, of being curious, right? Like the purpose of a day, purpose of a day is to taste and see that the Lord is good. So we must be finding, focusing fascination. And we as a church, may we be people fascinated with God. May we be people who, who, who want that kind of life. I know I want that kind of life. I want to turn. I want to return to that kind of life this season. Like I desperately need this. I'm preaching this to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing this message, sending this message because I need this message more than ever. Abraham Heschel's prayer is fitting. He says this, Dear Lord, grant me the grace of wonder. Surprise me, amaze me, awe me in every crevice of your universe. Delight me to see how your Christ plays in 10,000 places. Lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. To the Father, through the features of people's faces. Each day enrapture me with your marvelous things without number. I do not ask to see the reason for it all. I ask only to share the wonder of it all. Thank you, Abraham Heschel. So how does listening genuinely happen? How does it happen in a genuine sense? How do we grow in prayer? Because don't not pray because we should, but pray because there's this sense of genuinely wanting it, right? Like I think we think of prayer as the spiritual equivalent of eating celery. Like, "Ah, I don't really like celery, but I guess I'll eat it. I lose calories if I eat celery. You know, well, I don't really feel like praying, but I know I should, right? But I think of the upper room when Jesus raises from the dead as a great metaphor for prayer, always have, where, where G, the disciples are locked in the upper room for, in fear, fear of the Jews going to come and, and arrest them, right? And Jesus enters the room, enters and intrudes upon their fear and says, shalom. He says, hello, <laughs> hello. And that's what prayer is. It's receiving God's hello and us saying hello back. Jesus is saying, hey, there's so much more than just greeting in that. Jesus is saying, in your fear, in your stuckness, I am here and you are here and we are here together. And that is prayer. That is listening. And so they learn this power of hello. And then he shows them their scars. He sends them out. He does some really neat things we'll get to in a minute. But I want to just pause there and and, and address why don't we listen. The one reason I think we don't listen is the fear of being naive. Most of us spend our lives coming to Chicago to try to figure out how to be an expert and a master of the city and of our work, right? We master the train when we get here. We learn, hey, sit in the seat. Put your backpack between your legs. Find that secret spot by the door. Don't tip during showtime, right? We learn and master this city. We master our jobs. We are becoming masters of our trades. And someone who listens to a supernatural being, that's crazy. That's naive. I don't want to appear to be naive. 
And you know, I've been thinking about this, that I've learned to even tell my story to Chicagoans of why I'm here. And then, you know, I tell them I'm a pastor. Like, you're a pastor? Like, who does that anymore? How did you become a pastor? And I think back and think, every major part of my life happened because I was listening. I remember when I was arrested and I heard and listened and heard God say, what are you doing here, Brian? Just the way he said to Elijah. I remember when I went to college and I changed, I heard God say, change your major, go into ministry. I remember at the age of 18, I, I had a supernatural moment where God told me to go to Africa. And I, for the, I've never flown on a plane before. My very first air, airplane trip was a, a flight to Africa. I remember when I moved to Chicago, it was all because I was listening. And so we fear being naive. The second thing we fear and why we don't listen is we actually fear what God may actually say. We fear that God may speak in a way that's terrifying because we have no idea what he will actually say. And what if I don't like what, he, what I hear? What, what, what if there's risk? What if there's change? What if there's perceived suffering? And, and, and so there's the sense that we're called to open up our hearts and listen. And so uh, Dallas Willard, he says, the Bible is addressed to the word of God, but God is always on the move. I love this. That God doesn't just limit his speech to a book a thousand years ago on a piece of papyrus, that God is still speaking. You know, like we can almost even categorize denominations by how they understand God speaking. Some thinks it's through church tradition, some think through the word of God only, through the community, through signs and wonders, through uh, dreams and visions, through creation, right? And basically, like, sometimes, you know, there's this issue where, you know, some people think it needs to be louder, louder, louder. Some denominations are like, no, it needs to be softer, softer, softer. Basically, anyone who has a problem with the way God speaks to someone is a smokescreen for fear. Fear that they may hear God say something that they don't want or fear that God may speak in a way they would never imagine or dream. And so we must be open to hearing God, not fearing what he will say, not fearing how he may want to say it. For God can speak through babes. He can speak through creation. He can speak through animals. He can speak through uh, situations and circumstances, visions and dreams and images and, and, and each other. And he can speak in myriads of ways. His presence plays in 10,000 ways. The third thing I think we fear is silence. What happens if I get silence, right? Like Elijah was standing on a mountain praying and he was wanting God to speak the way he did to Moses in a big loud storm and a storm passed and there was nothing there. There was wind, the way God used to speak, nothing there. And then it says he heard the silence. He heard the silence. I love that. Sound of sheer silence. And he knew it was the Lord. He knew it was the Lord. And then lastly, I think we fear just doing it wrong. What if I don't do this right? What if I'm not, not doing this the right way? And so well, I just want to share two reasons why we should, we should listen. Number one, the alternative to living a naive life is living a stressed out life because we can whiteboard and try to strategize our future. And we can try to do that, but that results in a stressed out life. So we've traded out being naive for being stressed out. So we should listen to God so we can <laughs> trade out being stressed to really pressing in to what God may want to say. And then the second thing I just want to say is why we should pray is the only way to get it wrong is to try to get it right. If you leave here today, never practicing listening to God and be like, I'm going to listen to God for an hour. Like, 
it's going to be miserable. <laughs> it's a miserable experience. Maybe start off just listening two minutes, five minutes, little cracks and crevices throughout the day. But one thing I'll tell you, as you go on this journey, God's voice, he doesn't ever argue with you or try to convince you. He just simply speaks. And the weirdest thing that Jesus does at the end of this little pericope in the upper room is he breathes on them. It's pretty weird, right? He breathes on them. And because it's the wind, the word for the spirit in the Old Testament. And I think it's an imagery of how listening to the spirit is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like breathing, breathing. You miss one breath, there comes another and another. It's like my friend Zach who surfs in California. He tells me about surfing. That if you miss one wave, there's always another. And that's the way that listening is supposed to be. Our relationship with God is supposed to be that we can have the gentleness and grace to ourselves. that if we miss one wave, there's always gonna be another wave. If we miss God speak once, we can hear him speak again. And that's good news. And so I wanna encourage us as we close this message to hear from the Holy Spirit, breathe, receive the breath of God. Let's create space and an atmosphere in this season to welcome the Holy Spirit. What if Monsieur Day was rallied around the cry, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And when you welcome this Holy Spirit in, you welcome an amazing person. You welcome a transforming friendship. You welcome a power that comes from the outside that's not your own. You welcome a creativity that can never be birthed from your own ideas. And you welcome a ton of respect and gentleness, respect for yourself and gentleness toward yourself for when you fail and when you fall, because this Holy Spirit is there to breathe on you, to welcome you, to give you a life and to attend to the conversation beneath the conversation. So may we just enter in 2021, ready to listen, making that a high priority. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would uh, hear you. And then only then, once we hear you, can we go out and meet the needs of others with your resources from heaven because we can't gather your resources and your discerned wisdom unless we're hearing from you for our own lives, from other other people's lives. God, may you make us a people who posture ourselves to, to, to listen and no matter where we are, that we would spread your resources once we've heard from you all over Chicago into bars and homes and high rises and homeless projects and prisons. And, and may we bring your heaven to earth and restore the world to how you created it to be and play the role you always meant for us to carry. But we can only start by listening. 2020 has taught us one thing. We do not have control And we submit to you and surrender and yield to your spirit and say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.